Warning, this podcast contains no journalistic integrity. Welcome to the Gentleman's Soapbox. for this week i wanted to keep that you know i i almost even messaged sean and said let's not even bother this week but i want to keep the conversation going it's been it, 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 in my opinion it's a good conversation and for the two or three people who listen it's an important conversation i yepix was nice enough to offer a topic suggestion but it's one that's going to take a tad bit of research and i just haven't had the heart to do it We've had some listener feedback, and even that was on the change in language, which is one of my favorite topics. But once again, I just can't get there from here right now. We've got we could go back over the media. How wonderful that is! The fact that no one trusts shit coming from the media at the moment. <laughs> Good, they shouldn't. We could be talking about Hillary. The fact that she's actually planning on running for president again. Lord. Well, wait a minute. Biden's the incumbent. Like, how is she going to manage that? Like, what is she going to assassinate Biden? No, she's going to primary him. Oh, dear Lord. She's hey, she's already given speeches as though she can. If you didn't hear the speech coming out of New York, you 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 should. I try not to listen to anything she says. uh, There's no question of the sun. The woman's running for president. God. We can talk about all the wonderful things going on in Canada right now and how the fact that Canada has basically just decided that they're not a democratic country with uh, rights anymore and not a single Western leader has said a damn thing about it. No, because they're Canadians. They're so nice. Well, in fact, some people have praised Trudeau. We could talk about the Ukraine, the fact that World War III is about to start, according to some people, and according to others, we're just being obnoxious about the whole thing. Kind of depends on who you listen to. I don't know. That they both could be right there. Exactly. We could be talking about masks. Hell, I just read an article this morning on how masks are ridiculous, and it doesn't matter. You should wear one anyway. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So I. <laughs> We could even continue the conversation on free speech, on how that has just completely gone by the wayside. In fact, especially if you're Canadian, if you're donating money to the wrong protest group, you could get your entire bank account frozen. <laughs> I don't donate money to anybody, so it's fine. So basically, I'm kind of at a loss at the moment. And right about the time that I was thinking to myself, maybe we don't do a GSB cast today, Sean said he had a topic. So, oh, are the boys and girls going to be so disappointed? <laughs> because if you are looking for upbeat and happy, you have come to the wrong place. Well, Although I mean, we've been telling people up. since the beginning that if you're really looking for outstanding journalism, well thought out conversation, uh, non tangential uh, discussion, that this just isn't us. Well, you know, I'll give you well thought out conversation because we we do think about this at length, ad nauseum. We think about it. It's well thought out. It's not well formed, but it's well thought out. Uh, but I, I, I'm afraid I am about to get up on the oldest sawhorse I have. 
Well, we call this the soapbox for the reason. I am handing you the soapbox, and I am saying it's yours. Go for it. So I found a couple articles this week, and we are going to review them on Wholesome Addiction as well, but it will have a little bit different spin. And be short, because Beef hates these. He hates them. He hates them so much. Uh, but there's an article, uh, January 28th, my brother's birthday, uh, 2022. And it says China's population is having an issue, and it sparks an uproar by telling, quote-unquote, leftover women to marry unemployed men. Now, <clears throat> there's a couple of things here, and there's a lot to unpack here, to be quite honest. One of those things, and I'll post it in the chat here so you can follow along if you would look, if you would like, uh, Mr. Jake. So one of the thing here is that, as I have said, there's there's starting to become a population problem, and countries are dealing with this in various number various numbers of ways. Now, China is unique in that they are one of the largest by populous countries in the world. Uh, also, also slightly, ever so slightly authoritarian. Uh, the like a breath of authoritarian, uh, you know, like a, a small twinge. I, I mean, you know? we, do, we don't want to find ourselves doing apologies in uh, Chinese or in Mandarin like John Cena now doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sort of like a, a authoritarian light, you know, uh, it's a diet authoritarian, but they're. They're having some issues. Now, famously, China was uh, a, a proponent of the one-child policy, and because only male children could inherit, uh, they killed, strangled, or gave away all of their baby girls. Or not all of, but a significant portion of baby girls. So what that and, left and them no with, one saw that there might be an issue there. Of course not, Jake. The government said it was okay. I mean... Seriously. I mean, what could be the problem? I can't foresee any issue with this. Well, I mean, we're, we're missing a little piece of logic here. And it's one of those ones that made me go, huh, no Morons. one thought about this. Nobody, like Not, nobody so, thought about so this. So you're basically giving away or killing most of your female population. And then not only that, but you're insisting that the male population all be straight. And, by the way, they were so forward-looking that they didn't understand that uh, this would cause a problem perhaps two generations on. And as it so happens, it did. And one of the issues that they're having, of course, is a disparity in the amount of uh, eligible men versus eligible women. Now, this isn't the only problem, however, because if you've been following China here recently, you will know that China is an expanding country. They're uh, uh, moving past uh, a lot of the old ways and moving into modern society almost. Hell, some would suggest they're planning on moving into Taiwan. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 we're not going to cover that, but, but uh, at least not on this one. But they're, they're moving in a lot of directions, and one of the directions that they're moving into is a modern kind of society where women are expected and honestly required to work in the professional workforce. And one of the things that that does is make educated career women. Now, China has never had that. Uh, <laughs> and we don't know of any countries that have had issues 
with male-female relationships under those circumstances? No, no, certainly not any of the entirety of the West. Uh, the the problem herein is women, quite rightly, want to live their lives on their own terms, uh, even in China, and are reluctant to give that all up to become baby factories uh, as they have just pursued their life full of education. They have a fulfilling job. They are making it on their own, and they don't feel the need to get married. And this is a problem for China's government because for the first time in forever – China is not the biggest expanding country in the world. In fact, their population is on the verge of declining. And they have they have issues <laughs> with this. Uh because of the way that their society is structured, their workforce is now going to start going through violent periods of turbulence, shall we say, coupled with the economic factors that are causing China to go through the very same thing, only doubling down on it, that we have that happened to us in 2008 with the housing crash. Uh, they just double, triple down on that, and they're having whole issues with that as well. So what this means is as they all rush towards the brink of, uh-oh, is they don't have enough marriages and enough children going forward to support the country 50 years from now. It's just not there. They don't have the numbers. And well, what, but, but see, they're not unique in that concept. Though. They're absolutely not. And then we covered this a little bit on a cat. Uh, did we cover this on a cast? Oh yeah, we did. Uh, in fact, I think it's on the last cast or the cast before that one of those, uh, we covered that this is not a unique problem to China. In fact, it's it's going to be a problem kind of globally because the countries that are above the subsistence level don't have enough people to export to all the countries to make up the difference. And did we have to – I can't remember whether we did it or not last time. Did we do the Sean was right uh, segment last time with the uh, the fact that our, one of the responses to that here is even just now starting to call for subsidies of uh, – women being the fact that, I, and I'm trying to remember the quote, they are uh, carrying our future. No, but I knew that would happen. I called that years ago. Okay, then, then I'm going to interject this real quick because it actually has a decent bit of bearing on it. I, I guess we should have, I thought we did this last week, but we had to have a very, we have to have right now a very, very quick, Sean was right. Because I found the article, I, I, I thought it was two weeks ago, apparently it was last week where they are now calling for subsidizing women in their reproductive health because they are, and I still wish I could remember the quote. I'll have to look it up at some place. Uh, I think, it, I can't remember whether or not they were burying our future, carrying our future, something of that nature. Now, the thing that went on with this, which is going to go to some extent, I believe, in what Sean's going through here, which is a lot of the authoritarian concept was is they went so far beyond just the concept in this article of subsidizing women but actually starting to create rules for health on women of childbearing age on how much they're allowed to drink etc <laughs> and that was the part that was kind of freaky I mean, yeah, they don't mind well, getting the money. They mind being told what they're how they can get it or how well, they qualify for it. Well, not even not even. But no, that's actually wasn't part of the article. This is the article was promoting all of this. 
promoting the entire concept. Wow. But it's really, I think it kind of goes into some extent where some people are freaking out about the whole vaccine mandate thing and about people's, uh, it even goes into part of the subsidized government health thing is that the government can now dictate your health to you. Yeah. Oh, no. And you're going to see that a lot more often uh, going forward, especially. And I look, I, I'm not going to say I told you so, but I told you so. Um, this is this is going to become more and more prevalent. What so, they so figured I, out. I apologize for interrupting. I just thought that was had oh, bearing on the situation. It is fantastic. I knew I knew they do that. I mean, I knew like uh, it was a logical line. And Beef called me crazy a couple of years ago. He's like, they're never going to do that, Sean. That's stupid. I said, oh, I agree. Well, they, they haven't done it. But, it's but just gonna... that it's now being floated. Yeah, well, they're starting to figure out. And I, I gave a fantastic timeline of how this is going to work uh, a couple of years ago on WA. And I'm like, look. The first thing they're going to do is realize the numbers don't look right. And then they're going to do a bunch of studies and figure out that the birth rates are screwed up because people are not getting married and people aren't having as many kids. And then they're going to do two things. The first thing is they're going to blame the women. And the second thing they're going to do is in reaction to blaming the women, they're going to subsidize the women. And what they're going to do is they're going to say, OK, we can't make you get married and we can't make you have children. But what if you do have children, we'll incentivize you so that and it will make it a government program. And there'll be a child tax that we charge everyone and subsidize. So if you're not going to have children as a parent, as a father, you're going to have to pay taxes on everyone else's children. Well, the, the part of that, according to this article that you got wrong, was the blaming women part. Because, oh, no, the, that, because they didn't. They blamed the men for not being good enough for the women. Yeah, well, they'll get to this in a minute. They'll they'll get to it. Uh, what they're what they're really going to do is uh, they won't blame the women in that way. What they'll do is they'll say, well, the less women are getting married, you know, and they'll they'll blame the men too. It's all ultimately it's going to be the men's fault, and it's going to be us who pays for it. Everyone. Uh, so instead of one man raising a child and as his own, it'll be all men paying for all children. And it'll be like school tax. Whether you have kids or not, you still pay school tax. There'll be a child tax. Whether you have kids or not, you still pay for the children, right? And and it'll go through because every time this happens, it's for the children, right? You can't you can't argue with it's for the children. Nobody in good conscience can argue against that. So you have to pick other things other than it's for the children because nobody can say I don't care about the children. Screw the children. You can't say that. So they'll get it. They'll get the money. It's just what strings have to go on and how that you qualify for the program. So China has come up with on that same thing. China has come up with a fantastic solution as far as they're concerned. In uh, two counties or provinces, uh, which I cannot pronounce, Yunhong and Yuxi province uh, is encouraging. I know I pronounced those wrong. I'm sorry. Don't come for me. Yihang um, and Jiangxi. Why do you speak Mandarin? <laughs> I don't. I actually took East Asian studies when I was in high school. You shut your mouth. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. I thought it was cool. I thought we were going to be learning about samurai. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Seven Samurai. It's got. I gotta have a C going straight off, right? Uh, <laughs> I've watched Naruto. <laughs> uh, 
you I'm know, not 100% the, sure I got those exactly right, but because the pronunciation has changed as time has gone on. But Oh, of course. And, and you know, <laughs> seriously, I watch Ninja Scrolls. I got to at least get a B. Um, <laughs> so. It was a whole lot less about Japan and more a whole lot more about China. I mean, I, I learned more about the Mongolian invasions and the Han Dynasty than I ever thought I should ever have to know. <laughs> I play Dynasty Warriors. I know this shit. <laughs> uh anyway so uh these these two uh county provinces whatever are encouraging women unmarried women now if you're not familiar with the term leftover woman i consider this a derogatory term and a lot of women do too uh i can't but, imagine why <laughs> no but but that's really kind of what they do. Now, a leftover woman in China is anyone who is over the age of 25, 26 and has never been married uh, for a woman. That is a quote unquote leftover woman. OK, so th- that's their term for what we used to refer to as a spinster. Correct. And the, by that time, they feel in China, uh, the authoritarian government and the elders uh, feel that uh, you should have gotten your shit together and found a husband and made a baby by now, or at least, at least found a husband. And uh, they now, if you know anything about like how life works, if you are going to get a four-year degree, you go through high school. Uh, at the age of 22, you're you're out of school, out of a four-year degree. And you're going to get your first job. By the time you're competent in your first job and you're kind of cemented and your career is going where it's supposed to be, you're 24, 25 years old with a four-year degree. Let's, I mean, let's not count doctoring, you know, like medical or lawyers or anything like that. Um, just with a basic four-year degree, you're 24, 25 years old before you know anything about anything and can be a, uh, a conductor or a productive member of society. By that time, you have basically, by the by the terms and conditions of China's uh, uh, accepted practices, about a year left to find a husband and make a baby. Now, well, I, culturally, though, we're, you're also talking about, you know, and I know I've been a little facetious about China with being exaggerating some of the things going on there, but even then, staying along the same line, you're talking about a society that's never really been all that interested in whether or not you actually like the person you're married to no they don't care yeah no uh, no they, 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 you should have just gone out picked one and said let's make a baby yeah it's uh it's you you should have found a husband by now as far as they're it, concerned it, now and the only really easy way this was supposed to happen is that your family was supposed to have found them for you if they haven't done that you're just supposed to pick one and move on right and this is very prevalent uh, and the older you are, the more you think it should be that way, because that's the way it happened to people up the line from you. And women, uh, the the <laughs> the fun part about uh, uh, the ja- or not Japanese, the Chinese society right now is you can't at this moment can't force a woman to marry. Give it time. Right. Yeah, give it time. No, wait. It, it, like it's only got to fall so far before China is actually going to do something. And this is what I consider one of the first steps that they're going to start doing. They're incentivizing these women, these quote unquote leftover young women, and uh, to to marry unemployed men. So 
not not the hot shots, not the the ones who actually found a woman and and or or could find a woman. No, 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 no. Or that you might desire or find desirable or has upward mobility or any mobility at all. Uh, those those people, you don't have to worry about them. We're we're gonna fix it. So uh, what they've done is said that uh, you know to correct this problem. Other than establishing official matchmaking databases and organizing dating activities and giving out, um, you know, well, this, all this all this is, stuff. This is actually kind of the Chinese equivalent of taking a recent recent female graduate from Berkeley, sending her down to Venice Beach, looking at the tent communities down there, and saying, "Pick one." Right. No, it's that's very, you know, uh, it's it's very not good. Okay. Um, now. The pandemic has really inflated these numbers. Now, historically, um, it recorded a historic low in 2021 uh, when it in it when it ended its one-child policy, right? So up until I think 2020, 2021, China had a one-child policy, which means you had to you could only you could only have one child. If you were a married couple, you could have one child. That's it. You were not allowed to break that policy. Uh, now, what's funny is the richer you are, the more you can kind of wheedle around that and pay to have more than one children. But that doesn't it doesn't matter. Well, you, you can you also can't. get enough social credits to be able to. Right. Have. Normal people can, could have one uh, in. Uh, oh, uh, in 2016, despite it. OK. Uh, in 2016, I was wrong. In 2016, they they changed the one child policy to allow couples to have two children. And in 2021, they adapted it to have you could have three children if you wanted to. This has affected their birth rate. Not at all. In fact, um, it was down. Uh, let's see here. Chinese mothers gave birth to 10.6 million babies in 2021, down 12% from 12 million in 2020. And in population numbers, that's real numbers. That's real numbers. Okay, that's. The national birth rate fell to 7.5 births for every 1,000 people, down from 8.5 in 2020, the lowest rate since records began. And, All right? and, and the thing for listeners to remember, if, if they haven't considered the mathematical concepts that go along with this, to even sustain status quo, every family needs to have 2.1 children. Right. Now, the United States is also famously below replacement level. Uh, a lot of modern countries are because they're coming to the conclusion, people are coming to the correct conclusion, by the way, that it is not economically feasible to have children right now in today's economy. And they're absolutely correct. It makes that uh, whole conspiracy theory that COVID was actually hit old people for a reason <laughs> a little bit more plausible now, doesn't it? Well, there's a lot of conspiracy theories around this kind of stuff. Um, hey, I'm not saying I actually believe it or it's actually true. I'm just, you, you know me, I like listening to that shit. <laughs> so these, what they're doing now is uh, if you marry, if, if one of these quote-unquote leftover women, and I hate that term, leftover women, uh, uh, marries an un, unemployed man, not only do they they get their pick of unemployed men, they will help to connect them with an unemployed man. Uh, They're offering preferential treatment for housing, employment, training for the guy, 
as well as birth allowances for any children they might have to women and their partners. And um, really, it's uh, it's not expected to help. Uh, a lot of the women uh, are saying that, honestly, uh, you know, we'd love to help and all that kind of stuff. But if they don't, and this is a direct quote from uh, one of the social media platforms in China, if they don't respect women or treat women as human beings, then the extinction of mankind is not far. And honestly, I can see what they're saying. They're they're treating them like cattle, well, right? But I, I'm, but I promise you that there is at least one congressperson from Brooklyn, New York, who thinks that this is an excellent idea. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that they love it, you know, in, in, certain, in certain circles. But this is this is how they're going to start grappling with the realities that the society that they've created is no longer capable of just swallowing the economic situation that they find themselves in. This is not something that is sustainable. And they are slowly, very slowly, because this, this doesn't happen overnight, right? It's like boiling the frog, right? It, it doesn't happen right away. It's a slow thing, and people can cry about it and all that kind of stuff, but right now there's still too many people for the jobs that we have available and the society that we have available. The only place it's going to start crunching is when old people retire and they receive social services and social security, and, and society has to to kind of keep them propped up, and there's, there's steadily becoming not enough. There's not enough in the system to support the people out of the system, and that's already rapidly coming to a head. You and I will never retire, not in the way that oh, our I, parents I, did. No. Not in the way that our parents did. Well, and we are – and I'm going to be a little facetious again here considering the fact that we are talking about China. They're talking about whether or not they're respecting women, and they're only so far away from China deciding that – uh, women are now going to have a birth quota and they have to show up every afternoon on their fertility days to the place where an unemployed man is going to try to knock them up. Yeah, well, I think we're about 10 years away from that, to be honest, uh, in China, unless something changes. But and, and that and that whether they're feeling respected or not, that's what they're going to do every 28 days. And, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, how far they have to push it or whether it's just going to be a matter of, you know, incentivizing them the right way, because that's why I really think that they're going to incentivize women to have children right now. They're just saying, hey, we'll give you some a little bit of this or a little bit of that. They really are going to have to incentivize children to get a baby out of a dude. And I think they're going to incentivize children here in the United States. I think they're going to mandate children over there. Yeah, well, the Chinese government will look at that as the same thing. <laughs> that's, to True. them, that's the same thing. True, but but at, at the same time, I, I see where you're coming from, and I can't disagree with you. I just think the methods are going to be slightly different. Oh, for sure. Uh, it, it'll it, it depends on where you are. Uh, you know, I've got another article. It's fan, it's fascinating because it's well, already starting to hit the fan. But but you, it's I know some people are, are will will probably hear me talking about mandates and and this coming and that the idea of mandating children and there's somewhere along the line somebody's going to say that could never happen. 
and we're already talking about them mandating what chemicals have to go into your body. Not what chemicals you're not allowed to put into your body, but what chemicals have to go into your body. You don't think they can mandate a birth rate? Are you kidding me? Uh, well, it, and, but not only that, you've got... Of course they can. You've got right across the border in Canada, the place is supposed to be the most polite place in the entire world. They are mandate... They, they're start, they're, they are, in fact, starting to mandate speech. Right now. Yeah. It is it is a a system in which we have built for ourselves that is inescapably authoritarian, no matter how it's presented. Well, it, and then once again, you have an article that starts out talking about incentivizing women to have children, and ends with mandating their health in order to make sure that those children come out the way we expect them to. Right. And and, and the, the the part about this is is that. If you looked at the comments that went along with this article, it was not it was praised. I would see I was I was reading this thinking we were going to come to the end of it and get something very similar to the response you're saying they're getting in China of this is disrespectful to women. Because I'm sitting here going, geez, you're going to tell a woman at, who's at the who's 26 years old that she's only allowed to have two glasses of wine because she's of birthing age. How are you going to regulate that? <laughs> you know? uh, but but even then, the, the fact that I was what I was waiting for was something at the end going, we can't tell women this. The righteous indignation, yeah. But there wasn't any. Yeah, there's there's not going to be. It's it's and what's funny is I I know there's not going to be. They're going to blame everybody else for it, but really what it's going to come down to is going to come down to a mandate and and incentivizing. They're going to mandate some things and incentivize others, and it's going to be a, a carrot and stick situation, and. I, I truly believe where we will be in a society 50 or 100 years from now is society will subsidize children and women will take this into consideration uh, monetarily. Honestly, that's what it is. Men will be product, you know, um, we, we will be. Um, Look, it, I, it goes back to surplus to requirement thinking demolition, man. How do you have yeah, kids? It'll, well, they're mixed in a lab somewhere. Yeah, there. It, it, men will be very much surplus to requirement. Uh, we will, as a society, we will subsidize women, and men will be very secondary. Uh, you will see the the marriage rates continue to decline. Um, it's also and, why I jokingly say that I could see us in the Handmaiden's Tale, but uh, reversed. Yeah, reversed. Yeah, guys will be a commodity. Um, not a uh, a valued a valued member of society. It will be it will be even more than what it is now. It will be what can you produce? Um, but no, I don't want to be legally tied to you because that would be not financially acceptable for me. Because I get paid, I get subsidized to have children. I don't get subsidized to get married. So no, I mean that's that's really where it's going to be. Uh, I I I think that's where it's headed. Um. But that's uh, for better or worse. I think that's where it's headed. There's there's a fantastic other article. Uh, the last one was uh, from SCMP. Uh, this one's from all uh, oh, places, and I, I I hate this CNN Health. Yeah, uh, somebody forwarded this to me, and they're like, "This sounds like one you you'd have." Um, well, I mean, because CNN has become such a credible organization lately. I mean, hell, I saw a guy on Bill Maher from CNN talking about how incredible uh, Fox News is. And all I could say is, oh, my God, they fired half your anchors, half of your president, half of your um, 
administration staff has 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 had to resign and because quit. of illegal scandals. <laughs> <laughs> and you're calling and you're calling into question their credibility. Look, I, I, and I've made no secret that MSNBC, CNN, and Fox oh, are not all shitbags. I wasn't suggesting that Fox had credibility. I was every just, one of them. I was just saying that I thought it was hilarious that CNN was questioning Fox's. Oh yeah, no, that's the pot calling the kettle black. It's it's just ridiculous. I mean, all three of them are dumpster fires, just for different reasons. Um, I I thought it was hysterical that that MSNBC like lost a ton of their ratings after Rachel Maddow quit. I'm like, wow. That's who was bringing it in? Oh, Lord, are you further down the pipe than I thought. Anyway, um, <laughs> that drain goes all the way to the bottom. Uh, anyway, uh, this is from CNN Health, of all places, uh, it says Americans are less likely to have sex, partner up, and get married than ever. Same kind of thing, or, or same kind of thing. We're at a 30-year low for sexual encounters of Americans 18 uh, ages 18 and up. Uh, uh, CNN just asked me if I wanted them to summarize the morning news each morning, and I have to tell them no. <laughs> now, you might just think this is the pandemic effect, right? But uh, not so much. Uh, the two years with the next highest percentage of adults saying that they didn't have sex once in the past year were 2016 and 2018. So the last two times the survey was conducted, really, uh, before 2004. So really, um, they're the, the highest percentage of Americans who said they haven't had sex in the past year was 19 percent. Uh, the last year, the last year's survey was also the first time the pres- uh, percentage of Americans who had sex once a month or less topped 50 percent. And um, it's it's not even on the radar yet uh, how much this is going to affect society. We're at a 30-year low as well for living together. So uh, 62% uh, of Americans aged 25 to 54 lived with a partner uh, or were married, uh, according to a 2021 Pew Research study. Uh, now, I, I'm, I, does it give reasons behind this? That, that, well, that, does it sus- any suspected reasons? I have my own thoughts, and I know you have yours. What does CNN have to say? Because obviously, I'm very interested in what CNN says. <laughs> well, uh, the the reason they say that they're having a 30 year low for sex is some of it has to do with fewer people getting married uh, because of an aging population. Uh, okay, now. W- the idea that somebody has to be married to have sex has gone out the window, out the window. a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. And the reason they say that uh, we're at a 30-year low for living together is that uh, better educated people and higher wage earners uh, are the most likely to live with a, the, a partner and be married. So a lot of people aren't getting married because they don't have a great job. And that's I think that's fair. It's not the only reason I, I think that's happening, but I think that's fair. Um, you, it went a different direction. I can't argue with it, but it went a different direction than my first thought process was. They also say that there's a, one of the reasons that uh, there's a higher – there's been a wild increase in unmarried men living alone, 10 points, uh, than women is because men are not getting married. 
Now, think I'm like think that through CNN. If men are not getting married, that means women. women. Neither are women. I realize there's some same well, sex stuff going on and all that uh, kind well, of stuff. And that's but what it's I was like, going to say. It was, is especially in today's day and age, and is, if you don't bring in the idea that. Uh, men marrying men, women marrying women, whether or not the man was born a man or the woman born a woman, and who they're choosing to marry, then it gets the the numbers get really mixed up and complicated. Yeah, uh, they're they're also saying partnership, just general partnership, not just marriage. This is an all time low. Uh, they they're saying they trend towards singleton, singledom which is not a word, is uh, more about young people than older people. Uh, they're saying that uh, like 23%, uh, 25% or something like that of 25 to 54-year-old uh, people are just staying single and just don't want anything to do with a relationship. So that's like one out of four just walked away from from partnership in general. Does that really surprise you, though? Not really. I mean, you can take a number of issues into that, and and some of them are going to make people happy, and some of them are going to make people's heads explode. Everything from, uh, part. I mean, you can throw in even just fear at this point. Uh, and and when you take into account pandemic numbers, which the pandemic has had the very reverse effect on society as they originally thought it was going to have. We locked them in their houses for a year. They scared the people in the pandemic more than they scared people on HIV. I mean, and that yeah. really was about having sex with people. Yeah. So what they did is they've locked everybody away for a year, year and a half, depending on how panicked you were over the pandemic. And then uh, when the brakes started to come off of that stuff, they wondered why society wasn't just flipping right back to the way it was before. Um, people learned to live by themselves. They learned to not engage. They they got afraid of not of engaging with people. They're they're more tribal now than they've ever been. Um, they're mostly used to, especially the the uh, educated people who uh, most of the country has some kind of college education now, over 60 percent. Uh, most of those coming out of the colleges now are women, by the way. Uh, it's it's over 65 percent, I think, of the graduates that are going to graduate in 2022 are going to be women. You have less men enrolling because we're just giving up as a gender. We're just like, uh, this is bad. And I'm not going to do that. So I'm out. Right. And they're out of college. They're out of relationships. They're out of marriage because they just don't see the point. It, they, it seems futile and hopeless to us. And this is really the root cause to me. That's really the root cause of some of the issues that they're seeing here. They're like, hmm, they're blaming it on all kinds of stuff. But really, really, when you look at the where the arrow points, right? A lot of this falls on it's the men's fault. They're not engaging. They're not partnering up. They're not marrying. They're not going to college. What the hell is wrong with you men? You're not having babies. This is a problem. We were just talking about incentivizing women to do these sorts of things. 
Um, and I and I know what your answer to this is, and I know that there are, and, and I know at least a couple of specific listeners that we have who are going to hate my guts for saying this in this fashion and asking you this question. But I, it's a leading question. I know what your answer is going to be. Okay. What's I don't the, know the question, but okay. I know I gave that a little bit more excessive input, excessive lead in than it probably needed, but here it comes. What incentive is there for the average male human being at this point in life to get married? None. Absolutely none. Uh, unless you are, and and I know, and I'm not trying to sound like Jordan Peterson or any of that shit. I, I, it's like, no. But honestly, if you look at it, um, the only real reason to get married fiscally or financially or or uh, in the long run is to have children. Okay, so is is that kind of thing? Because you can get everything else without being married. You can have sex without being married. Now, socially, it's acceptable. Uh, you can get companionship. And have friends. Get a dog. You know, whatever. Well, you know, and, go out and, and then in throw in something that people from our generation and older may not have as as easy enough at a time with, but has become readily acceptable and enjoyable for them is is that companionship doesn't even have to come by from somebody who's in the room. No. No. So there's 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 all of that like all of that has been taken care of. And what you've heard traditionally and and you see it now like like there's a lot of uh uh women's um programming content whatever you want to call it out there right now saying oh but men are missing on the fullness of life. No, they're not. What you're when when somebody comments that men are missing out on the fullness of life, really what they're talking about is you won't have a family, and that may be true. Actually, well, I mean, I'm being a bit more cynical than you. Actually, hear something different. What I hear is they don't want to do it our way. Well, there's there's some of that, and I think a lot of the 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 when you hear that content it's normally from a very certain age group who have been um embittered uh from from life they've either had a nasty divorce or a, a nasty kind of relationship and it's and they're really kind of upset about that and they're not they haven't let that go um same with men like when you see the MGTOW guys and stuff like that they've been hurt most of most of them not all, but most of them have been hurt. They've been taken to the cleaners by a woman through divorce court and and child custody battles, and they're paying child support and alimony and all that kind of stuff. Well, and they really – You've even got some of the younger ones who've had somebody just flat out take advantage of the fact that they were willing. Yeah. And uh, in the American legal system – I don't know about all the other countries, but the American legal system is built to take advantage of men. It may not be the, how the rules are written. But it is how it's it's run. Uh, if you are a man in family court, you're going to get fucked, not in the good way. Uh, it is built to allow women to get what they need to live and at the expense of whatever is happening with the man. Most of the time, that's what happens. And anybody else who, who wants to argue with that, I'd be happy to listen. Well, I have I, it's, all kinds it's of a data. tough argument to make, but the, the one thing that you can make an argument is is how it came to be that way, because it came to be that way from a period of time in which... Uh, Men took responsibility for nothing. Well, yeah. well, not only that, it came over a time period in which, uh, not only that, but men had like a hundred times more earning power than a woman did, and were probably the ones who were financing the family. 
right. that has that has largely changed a tad bit more. Yeah, that and, has largely changed, and yeah. the legalities of it have not. Uh, not at all. Uh, so there's um, there's there's that kind of thing. Uh, but there there really isn't an incentive. And and what's funny is is you know the battle cry for feminism, uh, if you want to go to the far left and liberal side, was like I don't need no man, and they're right, they don't. Uh, but what men have kind of figured out in the last couple of you know five ten years is is we don't need them either. We don't need them either. Like nobody needs somebody else to live in the modern age. Like you know families were created so you could survive, right? You could. You could run a farm. You could run a, a household. You could make things happen, and everybody could be okay because of this familial unit. You don't need that now. You know, like the old arguments are gone. Both feminine and masculine are gone. You can have a person. I don't care who it is, a female, a male, live by themselves, and they can cook and clean and clean up after themselves and earn money and have a car and have a place to live and, and live in relative ease um, no matter what they do or where they live. And it's really okay, and you could survive on your own. So nobody – and this is this is part of the problem that I don't think we've addressed yet. Nobody well, needs anybody else. But it, it, here comes one of the reasons why we haven't addressed it is, is, and it goes to one of my main complaints of the world right now, which is, I would argue that you can't really address it at the moment because you can't have the conversation. You and oh, I are no. having a conversation that, as I've said a couple of times in the midst of the conversation, that I know of at least one of our listeners that's losing their ever-loving mind, the fact that we would have this conversation. So, so having this as part it's of not the, a popular conversation. No, by the way. so like having, nobody the, having likes this as to part of the it. public and popular debate at the moment is nearly impossible because there's at least ten different points that we've made today that somebody's going to say, not just not even argue whether or not the points are true, but to say that you can't make that point. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a tough it's a tough one to do. Uh, and, and I, and I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm, I have been for 20 years. I'm fascinated by it because it's changing in our lifetime. When we were kids, it wasn't this way. And now it is this way. How did we get here? Why is it like this? Why have we chose to embrace it in this way? Why have we chose the narrative that we have chosen, right? This isn't, we're not talking about equality anymore. Okay. Uh, this isn't what we're talking about. And, and I know like there's a lot of people on the left who will scream equality. There's a lot of people on the right that will scream family values. And then, you know, like then, then you get religion in there and they make their mess of it. And there's, there's all this stuff. And, the, and, and that's what I mean by inability to have the debate. Right. And it, and it gets in the way, the narratives get in the way of let's talk about what's actually happening why it's happening and what we might do as a society and as a person to to address some of those changes. And we can't do that if we don't, A, recognize the problem or B, recognize how it's supposed to work. Right. There's no answer for that. 
Like, how is it supposed to work? You know, how are we? I mean, well, uh, but it, but even then, you know, first of all, you've got a, a million different opinions on how it's supposed to work. If you go at it from a social justice concept, you're going to piss off people. If you go at it from a family values concept, you're going to piss off people. Hell, if you go at it from an anthropological concept, you're going to piss off everybody. Yeah. So there's no good answer, which is why governments are struggling to find a foot and find a direction to push it because at a certain point it becomes uh, – uh, for them it becomes a concern because of the labor market and because, uh-oh, we can't live in the society that we live in taking advantage of the things that we've taken advantage of without a population that is on the incline, not the decline. And they're starting to get a little worried, not a lot, but a little worried that this is going to become a big trend instead of a blip. And nobody knows right now what it is. They don't know if it's a trend, a big trend or a blip. Well, and then throw in the fact of if there's problems on both sides, a population in incline has its problems, a population in decline has its problems. How do you get a population that is... Uh, shall we say, uh, standard on a day? I don't even know. Consistent. That's the word I'm looking for. Is the word you're looking for. And that's, that's the goal. Like we have, we would love to have a consistent population, but really that's not only naive, it's, it's never really happened. But the, the other problem, not, at least not in modern times, right? Since the industrial revolution, it really hasn't happened. But the, the the issue here is the way the system is built is is built for a, a population on the rise. That's the way the system architecture is built. And for the first time ever, we're seeing that fulcrum tip a little bit or have it tip on the fulcrum. And it's not on the incline. It's on the decline. And they don't like it's it's kind of teetering right on that edge. And they don't know what to do. Because the minute they come out, the minute any government comes out and say, this is the way going forward, like China did, China went through direct population control and fucked themselves for the next hundred years. And everyone went, well, okay, well, we're not doing that. All right, let's, let's try to figure out something else. And But where do you go? And then how do you how do you incentivize or, or make it okay without pissing off one or the other side? Like if you want to piss off all the women, put it back to the way it was in the 1950s. It ain't going to happen. Okay. It's just not. Uh, if you want to piss off all the men, tell them they're required to marry and pay for a child or tell them they're required to pay for children that aren't theirs. Like you can't win here. No matter what direction the government takes in the United States, they're going to lose. So all you can do is start incentivizing because if you start mandating, I mean, look what they're doing on mask mandates, much less child mandates, wife mandates. Are you kidding me? Would there be a revolt? They couldn't do that. So what are you going to do? Realistically, what are you going to do? The only answer I can come up with is you have to incentivize Women, because they're the ones who carry the child, you have to incentivize women to have children. That's it. That's all you can do. Because you can't you you can't tell people they have to get married in the United States, at least not yet. You can't tell people they have to have children, at least not yet. 
You can't force marriage or coupling, at least not yet. And I know I keep adding that, but we've come a long way in the last two years on the shit that's allowable and the stuff that's not. Uh, you covered it in Canada. We're looking at the pandemics uh, fallout right now. There's a lot of stuff they can and will do if it comes down to it, but at least not yet. So the only solution that I saw, and I figured this out a couple of years ago, and everybody laughed at me then too. The only solution a government can do is incentivize childbirth through the women. That's it. It's just a matter of how they incentivize them and how hard they do it and how in front of of the policymakers they get to to introduce the laws that will do this. And I'm convinced that it's going to happen in the next 50 years. It, like th- there will be a child program in the next 50 years. So at some point, uh, my exit from the cast is not going to be find somebody you disagree with and have a conversation with them. It's going to be find somebody that you're completely unattracted to and have sex with them. Oh, man. Gene- donate genetic material. I-, I think they'll make it a lot more like um, Demolition Man than you think. I think it'll be it'll be less like childbirth will be less about a, a love and a nuclear family unit and more about a monetary decision. Honestly, I think in, in 50 to 75 years from now, I think that's what it'll be because it'll be a, 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 a subsidized thing um, that will, that will happen. And I think really right now, the trend that, that I see is men are continuing to check out more. Um, you know, uh, they, a lot of men, uh, a lot. And, I, and I'm not talking just about the MGTOW guys. I mean, that's that's the the other side of feminism, right? You got the feminist, the, the really hardcore feminists over here and the really hardcore MGTOW guys. They're like, take those, just chop those ends off the meatloaf, right? You just get in the middle. Um, I, I see a lot more uh, in a lot more stories and a lot more studies of men just kind of going, okay, uh, I'm not doing any of that. I'm not going to do college and get myself in debt up to a hundred grand, you know, eighty to a hundred thousand dollars because I'll never pay it back. I'm not going to do the marriage and kids thing because it's too expensive and I can't afford it. To be quite honest, why can't I just go get a job that makes me happy and go do that and then go do whatever the hell I want? And in today's society, that's a viable answer. He can do that. Society does not look down on him. His family does not look down on him for doing that. I mean, I guess in some cultures you might, but but like uh, I know, like in the the Asian cultures and some of the Jewish cultures, it's it's. Oh no no! If you're in a Jewish family, and I from having grown up in one, <laughs> when are you getting married? Yeah, I mean, it's there's 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 family pressure, but a lot of the others just kind of don't. So there's like it used to be required. You know, you were not a man until you were married. You know, you were not a man until you you had children. You you had to have, you know, this stuff on lock. And it's not the same way anymore. Um, there's there's a trend going on. I mean, look at uh, the, the college matriculation. Right. It's predominantly women now. It's going to be predominantly women for the foreseeable future because men are just not doing that. They're going to uh, different types of jobs. Um People are getting married much, much later, uh, till, till, uh, waiting till way after college. 
some sign the millennials are, are going through this right now is is they're running up against the age where they're unmarried and have no children, but desperately want to have children. And they're realizing they're out of time. And some of them will will pull the cord like uh, we have a very dear friend of ours, uh, the operator who went through that. He desperately wanted children. He waited till he was 46 uh, to get or waited till he was uh, 44 to get married. They had a child immediately afterwards. She's a little younger than he is. And um, but that was their plan. Their plan was like, holy crap, we got to get on the horse. We got to do this now. The idea of uh, being the parent of a child that young at this age just makes my back hurt. (laughs) (laughs) I was in my 30s when I had children. I was a little late, but. You know, Shannon and I made a conscious decision. We're like, look, we're too young, too stupid, and we want to enjoy life too much to have children right away. And we did. We got married very young. We were married at 22. Uh, we did not have children until we were in our uh, our first child was in our mid-30s, early to mid-30s. And our second child was in the mid to late 30s. And But we waited, and that was a conscious decision. Uh uh, we were married. We were together, and we did get shit from our families. Like, when are you guys having kids? You know, like, when are you guys having? Why aren't you guys having kids? You know, like, what's wrong? It was such an opposite experience. <laughs> um, it was, <laughs> but it was a, it was the decision, and it was our plan, right? Like, we wanted to enjoy our our marriage and our couplehood, and and run around and do things that we couldn't do if we had kids. I was a parent 10 months after I got married. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, honeymoon, then bam, children. <laughs> wasn't exactly planned that way, but. That's <laughs> uh, the way it happened, you know. I mean, so there, there's, there's all kinds of plans out there, but what we're not doing as a society right now is talking about what would happen if. You know, uh, if we started talking about life going forward and how that's going to work and how we're going to live as a society, uh, because we don't want to. We're too busy yelling at each other. We're too busy with our righteous indignation. We're too busy, you know, believing some of the lies that have been told to us. And believe me, we have told some whoppers to our children. Stuff like to be a successful adult, you have to have a bachelor's degree. That's a lie. To be happy in life, you have to be married with children. Also a lie. Uh, To be happy, you know, you'll be miserable and die alone if you're not married by the time you're 30. You know, that was a popular thing back in the 50s and 60s. So there we've told some whoppers to our kids. We've we've had lies told to us. We've passed some of those lies on as a society to our children. And to me, it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. It's one of my favorite subjects uh, because I see it happening. It's happening right now. We are living in the fulcrum of history on how our society maintains itself. And nobody's talking about it. I find that fascinating. Well, I... Then, then we'll come to the end of this segment with the same thing I've been saying at the, you know, towards the end of every podcast, which is 
find somebody you disagree with and have a conversation. Don't necessarily try to change their mind. Don't necessarily have to have your mind changed. Just try to understand where somebody else is coming from. Because the idea that we can't have conversation anymore is probably one of the most destructive things going on right now. So with that note, do you have a media recommendation? I do, but you go first because mine's older. (laughs) Okay. Well, mine's about 10 years old. Oh, shit. All right. Mine's less old, but all right. Go ahead. Okay. So I started rewatching the HBO television show Newsroom. Fantastic show. Oh, it's it's such a wonderful show. Proves once again that Aaron Sorkin is an absolute genius of writing. It is probably the best performance you've ever seen from Olivia Munn, um, who's just a enjoy to watch one way or the other, Um, and is every bit a antithesis to what we've been talking about with media today. This is a story about people trying to do the news desperately the way it's supposed to be done. Uh, And not only that, but running into a lot of the cultural things going on today. And once again, this happened, this show was on 10 years ago, and it's only gotten worse. I don't think this show could actually exist today. Oh, I I seriously doubt it. I seriously doubt it. uh, So I would encourage anybody with HBO to watch it. It's only three seasons long. I wish to hell there was more. Um, it is probably one of the best shows on TV. I can't recommend it enough. Please go watch the show. Oh, and I, and I have one that I forgot last week. I highly recommend that you don't under any circumstances, watch the movie Moonfall. (laughs) Yeah. However, if you were, if you have watched Armageddon, and thought you needed more scientific, uh, or, or excuse me, less scientific realism. This is the movie for you. This was the most unplausible end of the world. The fact that anybody would have ever survived the first ten minutes of the movie, uh, I, 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 it was one of those ones you come out of just going, "What the fuck did I just see?" Not even that's two hours of my life I won't get back, but what the fuck was that? Sort of like uh, Happy Gilmore. uh, Or no, Billy Madison. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having heard it. (laughs) May God have mercy on your soul. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, yes. (laughs) Uh, And then I have one last uh, don't watch, and this was uh, I figured this out yesterday. I was uh, on Hulu trying to go to watch Newsroom, and they advertised a new a new reality show called Stuck. And it was the first thing it advertised was things getting stuck in people's bodies. And the first one first episode was about a woman who lost a vibrator in her body, and I won't go into too many details into that. And I thought to myself, this is funny. I should watch this. And I found out very quickly that there was no humor to this show whatsoever, and it was far more horrifying than I could imagine. Don't watch this show. All righty. <laughs> we'll check that off the list. Not that it was on the list, but we'll make sure we put a little asterisk by there. It popped up. I mean, I, I mean I, I'm assuming you've, even if you haven't watched, you've at least heard of the shows A Million Ways to Die and Sex Sent Me to the, to the ER. 
Oh, sure. It's right up there with Dr. Pimple Popper. Exactly. But there, there are shows that are done with humor. Sure. Okay, this one was not done with any sort of humor whatsoever. Not even ironic humor? Not even ironic humor. It was Shit. just all the horrifying details that go on with the fact of a woman got a vibrator stuck in her ass. <laughs> and and when I say all the horrifying details, I do mean horrifying details. I'm, I'm telling you, just remember this simple phrase. Without a base, disappears without a trace. Okay? It's got to have a flared base on that mother. Uh, okay, uh, this is how horrifying it was. this is. It had one. Oh, God, how hard did you have to push, girl? <laughs> they had interviews with her. She was talking about how it got there. It was kind of like, oh, my God, this is not humor. This is not even medically. This is not even, you know, as a guy who works in the medical field, I watch these things every once in a while just for sheer occupational interest. And it wasn't even that. It was just horrible. So if you <laughs> see this coming across Hulu, run. Check. Go watch Newsroom instead, please. I I promise you, you will be a better person for it. You know, the thing about Aaron Sorkin, and I've seen, um, like, I, I buy master classes from it just uh, now and then just from different stuff. I, I, I'm always fascinated on how um, people learn and how people do their craft, right? And I, I happen to watch Aaron Sorkin's, and one of the best lines from it, is, you know, and he's Aaron Sorkin, you know, his like his his writing style and his dialogue is always just like crisp and clear and just really, really well done. He actually made me like watching actors that I loathe. There's just yeah, I mean, it, J- Jane Fonda's in this as a human being. I loathe Jane Fonda and she is excellent in the show. Yeah, uh, she's great in Frankie or what is it? Frankie and June or something like that. I can't yeah, remember. I like I really like that show um, when it was on. She she plays basically herself in this show because uh, she plays the owner of the network, uh, kind of basically using all of her time that she was married to Ted Turner for life experience. Um, but she, once again, I can't stand her. She's excellent. Jeff Daniels, as a human being, if you've ever heard him talk, he's very progressive. Therefore, I agree with almost nothing the man has to say. Once again, he plays a mildly conservative news anchor wonderfully. The the, the show is just amazing. I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, and watching Olivia Munn do her thing is not uh, they even an exercise to, of utility. Because it happened either. about the same time, they managed to even add in her pictures getting leaked into the storyline. <laughs> and it was probably a little bit on the cathartic side for her as an actress, because though I'm sure she didn't get the opportunity to do this to the person in real life who did it to her, in the show she at least gets to punch out the guy who did it to her. I am absolutely sure. I, I mean, it was... Uh... Uh, it, it had to I mean it's you know what it reminds me of newsroom reminds me of an unfunny Murphy Brown like they covered a lot of the same kind of things like when uh, Dan Quayle made fun of Murphy Brown for being a single mother and, and you know they answered him on the show he's Dan Quayle you know <laughs> what do you care you know and, and they did him a whole monologue on it and they 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 took on some the the newsroom is is one of those shows that like it's poignant, but what's worse, the worst thing about it is, is it's more poignant as time seems to progress. And you're like, crap, they nailed that. 
and they shouldn't have, right? It, it shouldn't have been as relevant as it is now. Uh, but you're right, they probably couldn't make it now. No, because it, it just, it, the idea that news could be like this is gone. Yeah, no, it's that's they've completely departed from this whole concept. But the the but Aaron Sorkin is just fantastic. He he's he once said, um, you know, writer's block is my default position. It is not like there are some more rare days where you know you write some stuff and it's good and everything, but generally speaking, it's crap. And it's and you have to work past that and and the things that he does to work past that is just really genius because it's like look just write some bad stuff and it's gonna be bad and and you can go back it's way easier to have something and fix it than to have nothing and just stare and wait for it to come and that is absolutely true that's how I write still to this day it's how I create to this day do something bad and get it out of your head. And uh, once you do, then something good might come. And that's absolutely, at least for me, that's become absolutely how I work. Um, I'll do crappy stuff first. And, and Jake's seen some of my horrible writing as well and some of my <laughs> horrible story outlines and everything. And it's it's because it's just like you have to do it. Like, here, it's the only process I know. Like, let's just fucking do something. You know, it's got to be better than nothing. I always do better so, at improv. <laughs> yeah, you know, just like done and like uh, now i've just quit doing that and just started writing outlines and saying oh fuck it we'll figure it out you know that's how i do every other cast i do uh, uh, I, I once heard the that the author pg woodhouse uh would actually take the pages he was written because he was writing back in the day and age in which you actually wrote things with pen not a typewriter beforehand um <laughs> and that he would take the pages he'd written and place them around on the wall around the the room and as he went through his he basically once again just put everything on on paper and as he rewrote pages he would they would move higher up the wall in the process (laughs) of letting him know how where he was in the writing process with that page oh man (laughs) i can't remember who said it but he said you have to be good with doing something and being bad because if you don't you're never going to write anything good <laughs> you just have to be comfortable with that and just getting massacred because if you don't like like most of the stuff you come up with is going to be kind of seriously mediocre <laughs> there's some rare times when it's going to be good but it's just you will find sorkin at his best with the newsroom but uh, and i know we're running a shade long but uh, I have two recommendations. Both of them are old. Uh, one of them, and I'm going back through and listening to the audiobooks right now. I just got in the mood for it. Uh, the Honor Harrington series by David Weber. Oh, I'm actually kind of doing that myself. I go back through those from time to time. Oh, fantastic. It, 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 uh, the idea of doing Horatio Hornblower in space is excellent. The The way that he even set up the world and technology to make it seem like you actually had you know naval ships si- uh, doing broadsides at each other uh yeah it, it works it does work and um what's funny is he took a whole like this a whole amalgamation of stuff uh he set it in space so far ahead and and it's it's you know uh, it's not around earth and everything like that but basically it's it's the french revolution uh, time period where uh, 
Robespierre, uh, if you know anything about the French Revolution, Robespierre just basically led the country down the shitter. Um, but they even added like Soviet era stuff into how the oh, politics yeah. worked. Oh yeah, um, how politics work. You one know, of my absolute uh, favorites is that you have space Mormons. <laughs> and they yeah. don't call them that, but they don't, but that's what they are. That's what they are. <laughs> they even named some of the characters right, like Robespierre is Rob S. Pierre. Um, yeah, it's it's hysterical. I mean, but they did a really good job of. Now it's a little long in the tooth sometimes politically, but they did a really fantastic job of kind of weaving all that together and like the action of a Horatio Hornblower type character where you know. Like Horatio Hornblower was basically based on uh, Admiral Nelson, right? Yeah. Uh, this was based on Horatio Hornblower, who was based on only in like throwing a little Captain Kirk in there, you know, where it's just not the the sexual stuff, but just like flying by the seat of her pants, like she just fucking knows what to do. Um, this is nobody's gonna like this, but I'm gonna do it anyway because it's the right thing, and I know it. Get out of my way. Like she does those kind of things. And it's it's a fantastic thing to do. She pays for it, but she does those kind of things. It's a fantastic series to read, and I I'm halfway through it again, and I I forgot how much I liked it. I actually uh, one of my dearest friends has um I sent me a signed copy of uh in the honor of the queen, uh, which is the second book in the series where honor meets the Graysons. Uh, it's my favorite book in the series, um, just because it's it's the one where she proves like. No, this this is who I am. This is what I do. Uh, he signed it for me. David Weber signed it for me. It's fantastic. Have you ever but, heard uh, him interviewed on uh, many times that they've talked about trying to do, whether it's TV shows or movies, on how he would start it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I still – I hear that. It's kind of like I want to see this because his, his description on how to start it is, first of all, to not even bother with the first book. Yeah, on Basilisk Station, he's like, yeah, just get that out of the way. Yeah. I don't so, know what I was but, doing. But at the same time, at the beginning of the second book, she's on her way to doing some diplomatic thing, and she has this a party that she's got to be going to, and he wants to basically start it just before that, whereas she's having a nightmare of the battle at Basilisk Station. And so it just basically introduces the fact that these people have been through battle together, it's their explosions, you've got Harkness trying to carry a missile, uh, her on the state and, and basically just throw that in as a brief montage at the beginning just to show these what these people have done with each other and then have her wake up and have to go off to the party. God, I love Harkness. He's one of my favorite characters of that whole damn series. I love him to death. Uh, the, 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 the whole thing with him and uh, uh, Ensign Tremaine is, is definitely just hilarious. How do he? How do they two? How do those two always wind up together? Uh, it's a mystery, ma'am. <laughs> his wife wouldn't like it. His wife? Yeah. Who's his wife? Sergeant Major Babcock, ma'am. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm on the run right when they got back from hell. Oh, oh, dude, so am I. Uh, actually, I'm on the book before that. They're on their. Yeah, no, they're on their way back from hell. They stole the the ship and they're on the. I'm on the same book right now. That is so no, weird. I, I'm on the one where they actually have gotten back and she's trying to put her life back together. Oh, okay. I'm on the book before then. then. Yeah. That's so weird. I I started a couple of months ago and I just I've been running through them. It's a fantastic series. You guys need to check it out if you haven't. They have it on Audible. If you prefer the paper version, uh, you can do that. 
Uh, they're available everywhere. You can find Honor Harrington books. It's a fantastic series, and they they it's really really well done. But it, it's easy to find. Uh, it's not like limited or anything like that. Uh, I prefer the audible version, and the narration is superb. However, the other one that I've been going back through, and it's it's like a bit of a guilty pleasure, is Limitless. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw that. It was originally a movie with uh, uh crap. Uh, the guy who voices name? Rocket was in the um, uh, uh, geez, I can't remember the name of the movies. The uh, Hangover movies, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper, thank you. I was having a senior moment. Uh, so they originally started with that movie where he takes a pill and it basically makes him the smartest person on earth and for a limited a amount of time. And there is a huge conspiracy theory that that pill actually does exist. Yeah, and uh, there's so they they have that, and then they have a series that went on for about two years, and it's on Hulu, and I've been watching it just because I just rewatching it because I I always liked the series. I like them. I I think it's a fantastic idea. I think it's a really interesting way to do it it's sort of like the reverse of death note right death note was you know if you could kill anybody any way how would this work right this is is if you can think your way out of any problem what would you do how would you solve it and what kind of person are you uh or or how you solve it depends on what kind of person you are and you see people who solve it in a bad way and people who solve it in a really interesting way and to me, it's just fascinating to watch. I, I do have to say that though I never watched the show, I really, really, really liked that little itty bitty. How would you think I wasn't smart enough to figure this out? Twist at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. When, when when the bad guys think they've got him, you know, and it's not even kind of like a big action thing. It's kind of more of a uh, political gamesmanship thing. They think they've got him, and in the process, he just finally looks at them and goes. How would you think that with all this that, that I wouldn't have figured this out? Yeah. Not only did I know what you're doing, I know how you're doing it. What on earth makes you think I wouldn't take steps to, to fix it? What I mean, where what were you thinking? And realizing the look on their faces, and it's all very subtle, that not only had they been outplayed, they were going to have to do exactly what he tells them or he'll just make sure that life ends badly for everyone involved except him oh, of course and uh, it's just it's it's so great to just watch it unfold and 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 everything it's just really really well well done and i like the series as well and and they go into a lot more stuff in the series on okay how would you solve this what would you do what kind of person are you what, what kind of person does does ultimate knowledge make you and uh, what what can you really do with that you know how far does that put you above people what kind of responsibility do you have to humanity, to the, your friends, to your family, to your job, when you have that kind of limitless, expansive knowledge to you. What do you do? Uh, it's, it's really well done. But uh, anyway, those are my two. Well, then I will bring us to the end, as I have been, which is, if the world is still here next weekend, we'll see you then. 
There is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're seventh in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, third in median household income, number four in labor force, and number four in exports. We lead the world in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending, where we spend more than the next 26 countries combined, 25 of whom are allies. Now, none of this is the fault of a 20-year-old college student, but you nonetheless are, without a doubt, a member of the worst period, generation period ever, period. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yosemite? Sure used to be. We stood up for what was right. We fought for moral reasons. We passed laws, struck down laws for moral reasons. We waged wars on poverty, not poor people. We sacrificed, we cared about our neighbors. We put our money where our mouths were and we never beat our chest. We built great big things, made ungodly technological advances, explored the universe, cured diseases, and we cultivated the world's greatest artists and the world's greatest economy. We reached for the stars, acted like men. We aspired to intelligence. We didn't belittle it. It didn't make us feel inferior. We didn't identify ourselves by who we voted for in the last election, and we didn't, we didn't scare so easy. <laughs> we were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered first step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. Enough? Social scientists have concluded that the country is more polarized than at any time since the Civil War. The Civil War! Yes, people choose the news they want now, but we people overcome People choose the that. facts they want now. So what you've just described is impossible. Only if you think an overwhelming majority of Americans are preternaturally stupid. I do. I don't. And if you let me, I can prove it. You know what you left out of your sermon? That America is the only country on the planet that since its birth has said over and over and over that we can do better. It's part of our DNA. People will want the news if you give it to them with integrity. Not everybody, not even a lot of people. Five percent. And 5% more of anything is what makes the difference in this country. So we can do better. And what does winning look like to you? Reclaiming the fourth estate. Reclaiming journalism as an honorable profession. A nightly newscast that informs a debate worthy of a great nation. Civility, respect, and a return to what's important. The death of bitchiness, the death of gossip and voyeurism. Speaking truth to stupid. No demographic sweet spot, a place where we all come together. We're coming to a tipping point. I know you know that. There's going to be a huge conversation. Is government an instrument of good, or is it every man for himself? Is there something bigger we want to reach for, or is self-interest our basic resting pulse? You and I have a chance to be among the few people who can frame that debate. You don't like me, and I don't blame you. You see a self-defeating, energy-sucking piece of shit who's sponging off your husband. You're wishing I'd blow my brains out, but my existence shouldn't make you this upset. What is it? That's none of your business. Something wrong in law school?
How do you know I'm in law school? People who aren't usually don't carry around dry, academically constipated books about a dead Supreme Court justice. You're a creep, aren't you? You've been, you've been following me. No, I just noticed the book. You just saw the corner of it. How did you know that? I'd seen it before, 12 years ago in college. Sitting on the couch of a TA I was trying to make, waiting for her to come back out of the bathroom, hoping she'd have a condom. Somehow my unconscious had served that up. A memory I'd never even recorded. Or was it there the whole time? And all I needed was the access. If you're writing a paper, that's not the book I'd use. Well, who asked you? Hastings has his oral history. I'd start there. Interesting point. Grammatically, this guy was an idiot, which sort of gives credence to the theory that one of the clerks he had fired actually wrote most of this guy's major opinions. You could Google the clerk's sons. They'd love to talk to you, exonerate their dad. That'd give you something that no one else has. Information from the Odd Museum show, a half-read article, some PBS documentary, was all bubbling up in my frontal lobes, mixing itself together into a sparkling cocktail of useful information. She didn't have a chance. what, what, What are your suggestions? We'd really worked on her paper, too. In 45 minutes, it was a polished gem. She was pleased. What was this drug? I couldn't stay messy on it. I hadn't had a cigarette in six hours, hadn't eaten. So, abstemious and tidy? What was this? A drug for people who wanted to be more anal retentive? I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it.